Welcome to What She Said, a podcast that amplifies the voices of Canadian women, hosted by me, Candace Sampson. Dive into candid conversations, untold stories, and inspiring journeys of women across the nation. This is a space where empowerment meets education, where we celebrate you, and where mansplaining simply doesn't exist. Together, let's explore the multifaceted world of women breaking barriers and making waves. So sit back, listen up, and let's delve into the lives, challenges, and triumphs of the incredible women of Canada, right here on What She Said. Before we delve deeper into today's pivotal discussion, I want to take a moment to acknowledge that the subject matter we are about to explore might not be pertinent or of interest to everyone tuning in. However, if you find yourself in that bracket, I implore you to pause for a moment before moving on. The information we're sharing today is vital, and even if it doesn't directly impact you, it could be crucial for someone in your circle, especially those who have young children in their care. In the current digital age, the war between Israel and Palestine is not confined to the geographical boundaries of the nations involved. The terror, the anguish, and the stark realities of conflict permeate our screens, infiltrating our digital devices, and by extension, our mental spaces. It's not merely a distant event. It's present in our online environments, exposing us and our children to the traumatizing visuals and narratives of war in real time. While we as adults grapple with processing these harrowing images and stories, our children are even more susceptible to being deeply and detrimentally impacted by them. Young minds, which are still in their formative stages, can be seriously scarred by such exposure, potentially carrying these traumas into their adult lives. So even if today's topic doesn't directly touch your life, it may be crucial for someone else. Please share this episode with anyone who has young children, with teachers, with caregivers, anyone who can benefit from understanding how to navigate through these tumultuous digital waters with a young soul in tow. Let's stand together, shield our young minds, and provide them with a safe digital environment free from the traumas of the adult world. Your act of sharing could be a small step towards safeguarding a child's mental and emotional well-being. Today, I'm joined by Susan Kenny, co-founder and director of Therapeutic Wellness at Emergo Academy and a certified brain health coach who will guide us through this delicate and essential conversation. Susan brings with her not only a wealth of expertise, but also a compassionate understanding of the profound impact such traumatic experiences can have on the young, developing minds of our children. Together, we do our best to navigate through this challenging terrain, providing you, my listeners, parents, grandparents, teachers, and anyone who holds influence over young minds with tangible guidance and support to shield them from the potential traumas of the digital world and to foster resilience and emotional stability amidst the chaos. Welcome to What She Said, Susan. Thank you. Thank you, Candice. It's nice to be with you again. This is such a huge, delicate topic 
Yeah. So we're going to really just focus on on the kids right now. And you've emphasized the profound impact that traumatic images and news can have on our children's brains and emotional mm-hmm. states. Mm-hmm. So can you help us understand what exactly is happening in a child's nervous system mm-hmm. when they are exposed to such distressing content? And what are the signs that should alert us to their emotional distress and trauma? Great questions. So from a a brain and nervous system point of view, for young people in particular, when the nervous system is developing and we have traumatic events, and those traumatic events can be physical in nature. So you can have a concussion, you can have an illness, you can have something that disrupts the nervous system from a physiological point of view. You can have chemical traumas, which are things like having a flu or having food poisoning or having something of of that nature that disrupts the chemistry. And then you've got the traumatic events that are emotional. And so right now we're going to focus on those. We're going to talk about how the trauma affects the emotional system. So from a brain point of view, when a person, and especially a child, has had distress. So we've got the normal day-to-day stress. We're all very resilient. We were created that way. It was a good design. But what we can't handle is repeated distress. And certainly these events and things, I'm, I'm going to say in the years leading up to this, you know, it just keeps getting worse and worse. But what happens to the brain is that over time, it can go into a parasympathetic response. And when it goes into a parasympathetic response, then the, the person, the child feels helpless, overwhelmed, feels anxious. Um, it can have physiological results like not being able to sleep, not being able to eat, not wanting to go to school because of the fear. And so the brain then gets into this freeze response. And that's what the distress is for parents, right? To identify that, wait a minute, we've got to pull back and we've got to create some balance to all of the fear that's being inundated on this child. And drawing a parallel, because as you mentioned, leading up to this, we've we've been conditioned to seeing these awful images, and they just right. keep getting worse and worse. Right. So drawing a parallel to past catastrophic events like yeah. 9-11, for example, yes. which also permeated media channels and left a really indelible mark on our collective psyche. You can did. you elaborate on the correlation between those events yeah. and the current crisis in the Middle East, especially in the context of its impact on yeah. children and young adults? Yeah. And the, the correlation is images, right? The brain sees in images. And I bet every one of us has a memory of 9-11. If you live through it, you can close your eyes and you can see the images. Um, What I, I, I can think about, I can think of people jumping from the building, right? I think of the firefighters. I think of people that were injured. So the brain thinks in these images and here's the problem, right? Is that social media is all about the images. Yeah. And you don't have to be there to be traumatized. Right. You think about even going to a movie, Candace, when you engage in watching something that is distressing or scary, we get sweaty palms, we get a a heart rate that increases, we have um, physiological responses to those. And that's what happens when we're inundated 
with these images. It's funny you should say that. You know, I was just talking about this the other day and saying that there are, this is why I don't watch horror movies, by same, the way. And same. I don't watch scary movies. Yeah. Uh, because there have been movies I've seen in the past yeah. that images live in my brain rent-free and will just pop up out right. of nowhere and scare the living daylights right. out of me. And right. this is a movie. Right. And the, But the brain can't differentiate. The nervous system does not know what's real and what's not real. So it's not able to discern that. And that's why it's so serious for children, right? Because whatever they see is truth. And as the brain and nervous system are developing, at least you and I can have some context now. We can logically say, okay, this isn't real, right? We know that there's CGI. We know that there's imaging. Um, and it and it's still having an effect. So I'm with you. I don't watch anything that's frightening. If if it's if something comes up on the screen, I will literally stick my fingers in my ears, close my eyes, and go la 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 because I don't want that image Same. to be in there. And so parents have the responsibility now, as you said in the beginning, you get to design what comes into your child's life. You are the biggest influencer. You are the you are bigger than social media influencing. Families are are setting the tone for not just now for children and young adults. It's the decades to come. How their health and and mental well being is going to be is being established right now. How can parents establish fair yet firm boundaries to protect their children oh. from this content, especially yeah. considering the varied ages and yeah. maturity levels we're talking about here? So, because I, I feel like it would be quite easy. You know, it wouldn't be pleasurable, but it would be quite easy to take a phone from a, a younger child. But right. when, we, when we're getting up into the teenage years, yeah. that's much, much more difficult to navigate. Oh, you, you've hit on it. So we need to rise above. So Emergo means rise above. And what we need to do is is look at it as a much, much bigger family um, conversation. And first of all, it's important that the family as a whole decides what their value system is. Before you enact any boundaries, it doesn't, and it telling somebody what to do never works, right? People don't resist change, they resist being changed. So when any of us think that we're being told what to do without context, it's not going to work. I don't care if you're six or 60, it doesn't matter. So as for families, the first thing that I would recommend is, is get together no matter how old your children are, little children can get involved in this conversation. It's what does this family value? What is this family about? What do we believe in? What do we not believe in? How, what's what's the whole basis for this? And if you think that you're coming at it from a peaceful place, families were never, ever about peace. Right? You, the family is where you learn to handle conflict and you learn to work through things and you learn to have communication. And that's where all of this starts. You cannot have a boundary unless you first establish as a family unit why these boundaries are in place. I really love that you mentioned pulling everybody together mm -hmm. because I think a lot of people might think this is not a kitchen table conversation. Mm -hmm. But it is a far better conversation to have at your kitchen table yeah. than to have your child alone in a room scrolling through these images. 100%. 100%. And it's okay. T children look to parents um, 
I don't care if you're, you're working for somebody, you're looking towards your boss for leadership, right? We all want to know the safety of, of what's our response to this. And when you establish first what the family values are, and we have a different acronym for love. Our acronym for love is long-term ownership of values for everyone. So establishing first, what is this family about? Then you can create boundaries and boundaries are easy. They get a bad rap. It's what's okay, what's not okay. So for parents and children, it's just establishing this is okay. This behavior is is okay with us. This behavior is not okay. And then the last part of that is there has to be a consequence. So a consequence, I love Brené Brown, and this comes from her, a boundary without a consequence is nothing. It's a threat. So if you're threatening your children with, if you don't stop that bad behavior, I'm going to take your phone or I'm going to enact this, you're creating the same thing that's happening in the rest of the world, which is the conflict. And what you want to do within the home is create this great communication and you're focusing on connection. Because if your kids are connected to you, no matter what age, and this is teenagers too, they are watching what you're doing. They're, they're listening. They're paying attention. They're way smarter than we think. Right? We may think we can protect them from things outside, but in essence, you can't, right? You can't control everything. So this is the other big thing that I wanted to talk about is within the home, you've got to focus on things that you can control. And going back to 9-11, I was a young parent when that happened. I had an eight-year-old daughter and I worked in a school which had a, a great ethnic population. So when we showed up at school that day, it was crazy, right? We, we were all fearful. We didn't know what had happened. And what I figured out really early on is my daughter gave me great feedback within a couple of days. She said, mom, I don't know any of those people, but I, I just know my friends and I know this and I know this. So she brought me back to being really grounded about things that I can control and things that I can't control. I couldn't control what happened in 9-11, but I get to control what happens in my home. And I get to control how I react to those outside things. You emphasize uh, focusing what we can control. We were talking about that before. So how can parents who are overwhelmed yeah. right now themselves, yeah. how can they find the strength and the clarity to guide their children to focus on aspects they can control? which again, fosters that whole sense of safety and stability. But if the parent's not feeling it, that's hard, right? That's, I think you, you cued it up beautifully because the, the response to that is the parents have to lead it. So children will follow whatever um, the, the feeling is in the house. Right. So if there's tense, if you're overwhelmed, if you're tired, if you're um, feeling anxious, if you're fearful, that's how the, the family is going to feel. So there's a, if you can visualize this and if families that are listening can visualize this, if you have one of those helium balloons and you know how it just kind of free flows and imagine that one of them is attached to the stone, right? So it's, 
It's very grounded. The other one isn't tethered to anything. And every time you hit it or every time the wind moves, the one that isn't tethered is just kind of floating around and it's, it's reactive. And then you've got this other balloon that has the tether and it's on the stone. It's tied to it. So yes, things happen, right? Life happens. Chaos happens. Um, things on the news, but it comes back to its center. And so what parents have the opportunity to do is create that center, right? How can we do things that bring balance to all of the chaos and all of the things that are negative in the world? And one thing is to believe there there is good and evil, Candace. There's always been good and evil. There will continue to be good and evil. But there is far more good than there is evil. And so to come back to that realization and, and just say, you know, although this is what's happening on the news, let's find evidence of all of the great and wonderful things that are happening. And so talking about engaging the family in things like gratitude, right? What do we appreciate? There's a great study in positive psychology. You can actually change the neuropathways in the brain by doing an exercise right before bed. And that is asking three questions, what went well and why, and answering it three times. So here's why. Here's why it changes the brain into something positive. If you ask what went well, then you're giving evidence to there's goodness, right? There's good things that are happening in the world. If you engage with a why question, you know, why was that thing good? You're now triggering the emotional response and now you're changing the nervous system. And by writing it out, and if you can do it longhand, great. If, if, it, if you have to do it on a computer, that's better than not doing it at all. What happens then is that the brain and nervous system get evidence that there is lots, lots of things that are going really, really well. And here's my influence over them. I have influence over what's going really, really well. And it begins to bring this calm and this balance to the nervous system that is the absolute opposite of the fear response. And, you know, you we're talking about um, not creating conflict at our table and, and, you know, looking out in the world and seeing how to navigate it there. Yeah. So how can we utilize these situations as catalysts to sort of develop skills in our children that foster trust, connection, higher thinking, resilience, all of those things that we're looking to have our kids have. If you look at the definition of the word crisis, if you look at it from um, Chinese symbols, it's danger and opportunity. So that's mm-hmm. what a crisis is. And and we're in a crisis. Parents are in a crisis right now. Families are in a crisis. And what this presents is the opportunity to get really, really clear, again, back to the family values and creating a sense of connection. So a good friend of ours, Jennifer Kolari, is a great parent coach. And she stresses the connection. She's got a great book out. I don't remember the name of it right this this moment, but Jennifer Kalari. And there's things that you can do that help your children feel really connected to you. It's 
physical movement is amazing, right? We all thrive. You know, you feel good when you go to the gym or you feel good when you have yoga. So do kids, right? They need to move. Don't give timeouts. Give time-ins where they actually get to move the nervous system and you'll find that emotions move so much faster than just isolation. So there's that. There's doing something physical together. There's playing games together, right? Engaging at a level that's fun and it makes everybody laugh. And again, it's shutting out what's happening in the outside world. And then you've got things like there can be digital boundaries for everybody. And this is important. So this isn't just a, a, you know, how do, how do we shut the kids off from this? It's how do we, um, how are we engaged with learning what we need to learn without being immersed in what we don't need to learn, right? So how do you become um, more focused on just being informed and not immersed? And so families, parents get to decide that, right? Is if you're engaged in all of this outside of the house fear, then you you are bringing that energy in, right? What are your conversations like? Because even if you think kids aren't listening, they're always listening, right? They always want to take guidance from us. So how can you establish what's important within the home? And I, I want to go back just a little bit if we could. I mean, like we said, you know, with younger kids, it's probably easier to just, you know, maybe restrict their phone or, you know, put apps on it and so on. But there's a lot of teenagers out there right now. There's no way you're going to remove them from Snapchat or TikTok or any of those things where a lot of these images, unfortunately, are coming up. Right. If they don't come to you to discuss it, should you be going to them? Absolutely. 100%. And even if they're standoffish. So we had, for years, we ran a teen and young adult recovery program, residential program. And I heard time and time and time again um, from parents saying, they don't listen to me. It wasn't the truth, Candace. It was never the truth. When these kids spent time with us, they are listening to every word that you're saying. And so you are leading by example, whether they engage or not, they are listening to you. And they need the safety of the boundaries, the what's okay, what's not okay. What what you can help teenagers with is their social, um, what what they believe in socially. Because the teenagers right now are far more socially intelligent than we ever were, right? Growing up. They want to make a difference in the world. They want to be compassionate. They want to be understanding. Over the years, though, what we fed them in school is we focused on um, educating them about bullying. And I'm doing quotey fingers because the education from a brain point of view and from positive psychology, it's more effective to teach love than it is to teach not how to bully. So this is what families can do is what do you want? Focus on what you want. And if you want better connection and more compassion and all of those great things for your teen, how can you embody that for them? How can you um, present that? Can you, if they're using social media, can you text them or engage on social media and send them great messages, right? So that they, even though they may not, you know, pretend like they're, they're too cool to listen, there is not a teenager in the world that wouldn't love to hear an empowering message and a loving, kind message from their families. 
Listen, I, I have to I have to share something. This is just anecdotal, of course, but yeah. I you know I have TikTok. And I routinely share TikToks with people I love and, you know, uh, puppy dogs and cute videos and funny things that I'm constantly sending. But I've recently learned that by me sending them these TikToks, I am affecting their algorithm because they now routinely get these things in their feed without me even. (laughs) Okay, parents, you need to hear that. You can have an effect on their algorithm. Oh my gosh, because I love the that. The more they watch it, the more they get, right? Uh, so if you're constantly feeding them positivity uh, or, you know, puppy videos, they will get it. more of that. So it's just, you know, I don't know, can't say for sure that that's going to work for everybody, but at least yeah. that's the feedback I'm getting. I uh, love it. Is that what you share just keeps coming to them. Okay, <laughs> so. I love that. I lo- See, that's that influence again. The other thing with teens I'll share from from knowing this in our program, they want to be treated with intelligence, right? They want to be respected. And so removing this current crisis from the conversation, it is a, it's such a bigger conversation to engage a teen in what do you want? Like, what is your goal the next 10 years, the next 20 years? What is it that you see for yourself? And, and when you get to that, then you reverse engineer it. Help them reverse engineer it. Take them to that place of, okay, then what do you need to do today in order to create that as your future and as your reality? And help them make the decisions to, not just with social media, it's everything, right? What do, what do I want today? What am I in control of today? What can I create today that connects me with that future that I really, really want. And when you come at it from that point of view for a teen, you're treating them with respect, you're honoring their intelligence, you're asking them what they really, really want instead of telling them that this is what you're going to do because this is what I want. And they, again, they may not give it to you in that conversation, and also pick your times, right? Driving when nobody's looking at each other is a beautiful time to have a conversation with a teenager, right? You're not in their face. You're not, it's just casual, right? When you, when it was little kids, you could have it while they were in the bathtub. We don't get right. to do that with teenagers, right? So pick your times too. Make their favorite meal. Say, um, on Tuesday, hey, Friday night, I'm really, really looking forward to spending the evening with you. I'd like to make something special or I'd like us to make something special. What do you think we should have? And I heard a great piece of advice not long ago. It's not when you drop your kids off or when you say goodbye in the morning, it's not just saying bye, see you later. It's, hey, I'm really looking forward to having a conversation with you later about how your day went. So you're saying, here's what I'm looking forward to. And if you think about it from the dating point of view, if you want to date somebody and you want to really get to know them and you want to have a good relationship, you're not going to tell them what to do. You're not going to, you know, force yourself in it. It, it, You're asking people, you're getting to know them. And somehow, sometimes we think as parents, we don't need to do that anymore with teenagers, right? But we do. We, we need to do it even more. So overwhelmingly, what I've got from this conversation with you today, Susan, is that 
it's really upon us to just to fill our kids' lives with a lot of yeah. extra positivity right now. Yeah. I mean, we should be doing it all the time, but to be really mindful and intentional with it right now. Yeah. And and help them, help you as a family and your kids figure out what matters most to them. So it's sometimes when you say what's meaning and what's purpose, they can be really overwhelming, right? Those are big statements. But what matters is a much easier question to answer. So what matters to this family is a great way to start that conversation. So before we go, then can you share any insights you might have on how parents can navigate this and future crises, ensuring that their children are shielded from the potential trauma? Uh, And, you know, obviously, I think kids are, a fair amount of them are already traumatized, to be honest. So maybe to even have these conversations with them right now. Right. Uh, I want to go back to a word that you said, we can't shield them. I wish we could. Mm -hmm. but it's not possible. We don't live in a world where um, you get to control what they see, what they hear, and how um, others are going to influence them. What you can do as a parent is first focus on how, how good you feel. Nobody can have any great conversations unless they're sleeping, eating well, you know, movement. And it, and it, I know it sounds cliche, but it's so important to take care of yourself, right? Your well-being, the, the more peaceful and calm you are, the better you're able to have those, those conversations. And like I said, kids are watching it, but this is a great opportunity. You know, this is, this is building um, resilience in young people now so that they become able to handle everything because we've got it coming, Candace. This is just this is just the next chapter, but there's going to be one in two weeks. There's going to be another one. Life is a series of this, and one of the things that is, I think, as a society, the reason we have such big problems is we don't think we should have any problems, and right. that's not true, right? We're always going to go from one problem to the next to the next. So being able to give your children the ability to be resilient is one of the greatest gifts that you can ever give them. The other is to have them think for themselves. So right now we live in a world where there's lots of opinions being thrown at you. Um, but to teach your kids critical thinking skills, ask, and that you do that by asking them questions. So parents don't have to have the answers. Parents have to develop the way to ask really good questions that gets children and young adults and teens thinking about it for themselves and be open to the idea that this is going to be a conversation that you don't have the answers, that that this is going to be um, a free-flowing learning experience for everybody. But it's based on this foundation of what matters to the family and and what the family values are. All right. Excellent advice. Thank you so much for joining me. I want people I want people who want more from you yeah. uh, to be able to find you. Yeah. So what's the best way for them to do that? That'd be, yeah, of course. So emergoacademy.com. So 
emergoacademy.com. You can get to me directly. Um, Dave is the other co-founder. Dave Kenny is my business partner and husband. We've been doing this a long time, working with teens and young adults. And now we're training and certifying coaches who are recovery and crisis coaches. The reason that's important is we feel the same way that you do, that this has already traumatized people around the world globally. And so we gave up the residential program to be able to teach people the skills. So whether that's a parent, whether you want to use it as a parent, whether you want to have it as a career to be able to help others and impact others. We've got lots of free things. We have a masterclass coming up, which which really explains a lot of what we've been talking about. So we're here to help. Any, anybody can reach out. I welcome that. All right. Incredible. Thank you so much for joining me today, Susan. Thank you. Thanks, Candice. If you liked today's episode, please take a moment to share it with others. Also, be sure to subscribe to What She Said Talk with Candace Sampson on your favorite podcast provider. Stay up to date with my newsletter by signing up at whatshesaidtalk.com and be sure to follow on social at What She Said Talk on Facebook, Instagram, and X. You can also catch me on TikTok and threads at Candace Said. Finally, you can catch What She Said on the radio weekly on 105.9 The Region in York, Blast the Radio in Ottawa, and 1077 Pulse FM. Hey listeners, I'm Christy. And I'm Melissa. And this is Buried Motives, where we dig deep into the details of some of the most gruesome dirtbag murderers. She said she enjoyed hurting things that can't fight back. And that is a disturbing view into the mind of a murderer in such a dirtbag. Yeah, that's not even strong enough words. This is totally a recipe for disaster. And not to justify whatever is going to happen, but you can totally understand and see how this would be in the works. If you were only to look at what she did later on and not know any of that history, she would appear like off the wall crazy. Oh, 100%. Because we're not even close to getting to the end yet. But you can just see this pattern and all this kind of stuff developing in her, which is what we're here for. We're digging deep. Join us each Thursday as we unearth the dirt bags that live among us and the motives buried there. Hope you join us as we exhume the truth. What happens when we play outside? We become healthier, both mentally and physically. We become more creative and more focused. We connect with nature, each other, and ourselves. Let's take this outside. A new podcast hosted by me, Marianne Iveson, an aspiring outdoor athlete and nature lover. I speak to athletes, outdoor professionals, and scientists about their connection to nature, how it affects their performance and everyday life. Let's take this outside. Available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts, and at letstakethisoutside.ca. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.